thought. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Romans in chapter number 16 this morning. Romans in chapter number 16. This will be a little bit of an unusual message, I think, for a Sunday morning. And uh, uh, I want to I want to speak to you on the subject, the family of God. I want to speak to you on the subject, the family of God. And um, there's, a, there's a lot of disillusioned people in the world, uh, disillusioned with the things of God, disillusioned with Christianity. Uh, we stopped uh, on the way back. Uh, uh, yes, uh, we stopped uh, a little... Uh, Oh, you won't believe this, uh, Mexican restaurant. Uh, and uh, anyway, that's part of my religion. Um, but anyway, we stopped and uh, got us a little, little burrito bowl to go with us on the road. And um, and I and I gave a track to the cashier, and um, and the man, the gentleman said, I, said, I don't know if I believe in God. Now, he had a cross. He had three crosses on, around his neck and two hanging off each, one hanging off each ear. Uh, but anyway... Uh, but he said, nah, and he was, he was burnt by religion. He was burnt by religion, basically. And I said, let me ask you, what, what's your background? And the background that he mentioned, uh, it, was, uh, it was a merit-based system with a lot of pressure to conform and do right. And if you don't, you're going to burn in hell. Uh, you know, uh, salvation is not by works, dear friend. <laughs> you don't become a child of God because you measure up. None of us measure up. We're all unworthy. We're all sinners. <laughs> and it's Christ's goodness, not our goodness. It's what Christ did for us, not what we do for Him. Now, once we're in the family of God, we want to do everything we can for Him. Not because we're afraid we're going to go to hell, but because we love Him. It's a natural response. And, uh, but this young man had not known this. He was probably, I guess, to be probably late 20s, maybe 30. And uh, anyway, we finished our conversation, stood there about 10 minutes at the register, and uh, he thanked me and promised to contemplate what we talked about. But you know, there are people, uh, there's so many people everywhere who become disillusioned by the church, and um, I, I want to I talk to you about what a church ought to feel like, sound like, and how a church ought to talk. Amen. Now, I, I know I'm a little prejudiced, but I think this is the greatest thing since peanut butter here at Bailey's Grove Baptist Church. Amen. I see people out, and I give them a tract and say, well, I'm about your church. Have you got a good church? They say, oh, I got a good church. They say, I go, they say, I go to such and such church. By the way, people that have a good church name their church. I asked one guy, I said, you got a church? He goes, oh, yeah. He said, I'm a deacon over, over, uh, uh, over here at a uh, certain, certain church. I said, is that right? I asked the pastor later because he's a friend of mine. I said, I met a guy said, one of your deacons, he said. Sorry, Pastor. <laughs> he's not a member. He's not, he don't attend. He's certainly not a deacon. But anyway, everybody wants to sound like they have a church, you know, many, at least this area. Anyway, but, uh, uh, but, uh, but a lot of people have been disillusioned. And you know what a church is? A church is made of people. A church is made of people. And people are just people. That's all they are. Amen. Look, you don't go to Walmart. You don't go to Walmart and somebody's ugly to you at Walmart and you say, you know, I, I work with that guy. And, I, and I'll go to Walmart and see him. He act like he don't even know who I am. I ain't coming over here, a bunch of hypocrites. 
All they want to talk about is money, money, money. Every time I get something, I go to the rich, they all their money, money, money. That's all they want to talk about. And that guy standing at the door, too, acts all friendly to me. Hey, welcome. I saw him at the restaurant the week before. He, he didn't even speak to me. And so, you know, so we can make a lot of correlations here. But you hadn't quit going to Walmart, is my point. Amen? And people at Walmart are just people. And uh, people at church, I don't care what church you go to, they're just people. But that ought not change who you are. Amen? I want you to see the tenderness of Paul's heart. And uh, uh, let's stand together, if you would, please. And I'm going to ask you just to read a handful of verses with me. Some positive ones and then some negative ones. But I'm going to take you through much of this chapter. I want you to read the first two verses with me, if you would. And then we're going to drop down and read verse 17 and 18. Let's read together Romans 16, verses 1 and 2. Together, please. I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Sincrea, that ye receive her in the Lord as becometh saints, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you, for she hath been a succorer of many and of myself also. The word succorer, we don't use it much like, uh, anymore, but it means to run to one in need. So here Paul opens this, uh, this uh, clo he's closing the book, and he opens what is this chapter, uh, and, and he says, I, I commend someone to you. Let me tell you about someone, he says. What a good lady. You know what? She's the kind of lady that when somebody has a need, she's there. You know one of those people, they don't say anything, they don't advertise it, they don't go tell everybody what they did. Just but if somebody's in need, boom, she's there. She has been a succor of many and of myself also. When I was in need, she was there for me. And what we're going to read is the names of many other folks who in similar fashion Paul commends uh, to the, the believers at Rome. And now we go to verse 17 and 18. And I want you to read aloud with me these two verses, Romans 16, verse 17 and 18 together. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Did you know the Bible says you're supposed to avoid some people? Did you know that? That's why I, I don't have anything to do with Brother Hamilton. I, um, I avoid him. Now, not because you're ticked off or because you feel like someone treated you unfairly or some mealy mouth feeling sorry for yourself. The Bible says by the sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. Your attitude is broken because you're feeling sorry for yourself, the sorrow of your own heart. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about with some spiritual discernment and you realize that someone is driving wedges between people you love and care for. Now, I believe you ought to honor all men. The Bible says you shall respect to everyone. I don't respect you because you're respectable necessarily. I respect you because... I want to be obedient to the Lord. And the Bible says, honor all men. If I see someone, I greet them. I greet them with kindness because that's who I'm supposed to be. But I'm going to keep on going. Amen? Yeah. And so the devil hates this place called the local church. He hates it with all of his heart. 
And I want to speak to you on the family of God. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Give me your Holy Spirit's power and help to convey these tender thoughts in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. Now, the moment you got saved, the Bible says that God, the Holy Spirit, came to dwell within you. And uh, your, uh, your spirit was dead in trespasses and in sins, Ephesians tells us. But you hath he quickened by his spirit. Quickened means brought back to life. So before you got saved, the Bible was a closed book to you. Couldn't understand it. And you, get, you couldn't figure all this stuff out. Some guy gets up and yells at you for 45 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever. And, and, and people say amen. And then they go down and they kneel and pray. And you're like, what are these people doing? And, uh, and, and, uh, and he stomps around and, and, and they like, seem like they like it. And, uh, and those things don't make sense to the natural or the unsaved man. He doesn't understand the word of God, doesn't understand the things of God. And God's spirit doesn't live inside of him. His spirit, the part of him that communicates with God, is dead. It's, 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 there's no life in it because of sin. He can't communicate with God. He can't, you can't worship God if you're not saved. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so here's a man who doesn't understand the word of God. He understands why these people like to sing these weird songs. He doesn't understand why they cry and they talk about the Lord Jesus. It makes no sense. His spirit is dead. He doesn't know Christ as Savior. But one day someone shares with him that he's a sinner headed for hell. But Jesus loved him, died on the cross, rose from the dead. And Jesus can forgive him and save him. And he opens his heart to the love of Christ and God's spirit. Comes inside. Amen. And he said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. He said, We're sealed to the day of redemption, like putting a, a letter in an envelope, lick the, lick the uh, envelope and seal it up. And, and now, then God's Spirit is in us, dwells within us. He'll never leave us, never forsake us. Amen. And so now his spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. Listen, I, I, can, I can meet folks. Uh, I've never I've never seen before in my life. You've experienced this too. If you're walking in the Spirit as a Christian, man, you can see another believer, and you can you can find them in in, in a crowd. It's their it's their countenance, it's their demeanor, it's the way they speak, and and when they look in the eye and they make eye contact, and there's something on you that's on their face, that's on your face, and all of a sudden you you get eyes. I believe that guy knows the Lord. I told you this story. I think I was leaving Louisiana several years ago. And it's 5.30 in the morning going through the uh, TSA line and take your belt off, take your shoes off, empty your pockets, empty your pockets, and, uh, and everything in a tray. Uh, take the computer out of the back. You know, and uh, anyway, so everybody's grouchy 5.30 in the morning anyway, and you're not allowed to smile in the TSA line at an airport. Amen. But anyway, and, uh, and there's this guy, and he's checking bags in, you know, and he's got this big smile on his face. And I'm watching. I'm winding through, you know, and I'm watching this guy. He says, good morning, good morning. And I, that guy has got to have God's spirit in. And I got up there, put my bag on there. I said, hey, man, are you a believer? He said, you born again too? I said, yeah, put her there. Amen. His spirit bears witness with our, uh, our spirit. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. Amen. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Amen. So when you got saved, you got born into the family of God. You and I have the same uh, 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 heavenly father. Amen. That makes us family now, right? We have the same heavenly father. We have the same eternal home. Amen. And God's spirit dwells within us. Now, how, how are the family of God supposed to treat each other? Here's a good little synopsis. The Bible said in verse number one, again, of our text, it says, I, I commend. That's a sweet word. The word commend means to bring 
together or band together. All right, Reese, come up here for just a minute. And you and your dad come up here. Now, come on, come over here. So, uh, uh, if, uh, uh, now this is father, son, of course, but supposing they did not know each other. And, um, and I knew Reese, and, uh, and uh, Broham did not know Reese. And I'd say, Broham, hey, I'd like to commend to you Reese Hamilton. I'd like to commend. Now, what am I doing? I'm trying to, here's a friend of mine. Here's a friend of mine. I want to bring my friends together. Amen? And so I commend to bring together. Thank you, guys. You can be seated. It means also to speak in favor of. And so Paul here writes, he says, I commend unto you, Phoebe, our sister, a believer, which is a servant of the church, which is at Sincrea. Here he writes to the Christians at Rome, and he said, let me tell you about a good lady. And notice this, that as we read through this, he, he uses names. Hey, you know what y'all do? Let me tell you what the family of God ought to do. You ought to learn names. Do you know what my favorite word in the English language is? My name. <laughs> you know what your favorite word in the English language is? Your name. Don't believe me? Go into a crowded place. Go into the mall sometime and just, and just realize, say, Bob, and look around. And some guy's going to go, I heard my name. <laughs> it's his favorite word. And, uh, and, 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 and here he uses her name. And you know what? You ought to do that. I'd like to say, I know we got guests here this morning. I'm, I'm primarily talking to, to our church family here. Guests, you're welcome to, to listen in. But you know what? Listen, uh, uh, somewhere along the line, you have to go from uh, coming simply to get fed and to get blessed and then start actually being a blessing to others. Amen. Sometime, and I'm not picking on anybody if you've ever said this to me, but sometimes I'll get a note from somebody and they're mad and feeling sorry for themselves. You know, I missed for two weeks and I've been sick and not a single person called me. And I, my flesh wants to say, and how many people did you call in the last two weeks? Now, I understand you're a baby in Christ and we got to coddle you. I understand that. It's okay to be a baby, but it's not okay to stay a baby. Now, I'm not against checking on folks. I, that's my life. I want to do that. I wish I could do it. Uh, perfectly but the point is this as we as a family of God sometime or another we've got to realize hey listen I, I, I don't just come here to get what I need I'm supposed to come here also in consideration of others keep your finger in Romans chapter 16 and go to the book of Hebrews go to the book of Hebrews look up chapter 10 of Hebrews Now, somewhere along the line, you've probably heard a preacher or a pastor quote for you verse number 25 of Hebrews. And the word church in the Bible is, a, uh, is a, the word ecclesia, Greek word ecclesia, which means a called out assembly. And it describes what a church is. We come out of the world and come to assemble together. And I believe in the local church. And uh, it's biblical. So we're, let's read verse 25 first. <clears throat> The Bible said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, encouraging one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. That was the return of Christ. Now listen, the return of Christ is soon. You don't need to go online and buy 12 years worth of dried food in 52 kegs and put it in the back of your pickup truck and drive to Wyoming and buy 100 acres and live off the land. No. No. That's not what you're supposed to do. You are supposed to assemble with God's people and be a witness for Jesus Christ so much the more as you see the day approaching. Amen? 
I don't like any more than you like what's happening in society, but it makes me more, it makes it more important for me to be the salt and light that God wants me to be. Amen? So here he says, don't forsake that. Don't stop assembling. Let me, let me give to you uh, simple terms. Don't quit church. Don't quit church. Stay in church. Yeah, but I went to church. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, but they said, I'm sure. I'm not going to argue with that. Somebody mistreated you. Somebody says you got overlooked. You didn't get picked. Somebody got onto your kid because you don't have the courage to get on your own kid. There's a there's 101 reasons in a given Sunday to get mad about something. The ushers are mean. They are. And these ushers, they are kind of ugly. Anyway, the ushers are, what, somebody took my seat. Somebody took my seat. Look, listen to me. Let me help you. Church family, if you come in and somebody took your seat, that is a good thing, not a bad thing. Amen. When you go to a restaurant to eat, I would recommend you find one that has cars in the parking lot. Amen. If you find a restaurant that nobody wants to eat at, it's probably not a good place to go eat. Amen. Now, you might have your favorite restaurant, might have your favorite seat or whatever. But listen, listen, we ought to thank we ought to thank God someone comes in. I'm used to sitting there and somebody, and a guest comes in and sitting there. Uh, that ought, that's a good thing. Amen? So the Bible said, don't quit church. Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Some have, some will, some do. But instead, encourage, exhort one another. Now, look at verse 24, the verse right before it. What's the primary reason we should not forsake ourselves, forsake the assembling of ourselves? Verse 24. And let us consider the youth program. Let us consider the music program. Let us consider the cleanliness of the nursery. Is this what the scripture says? It says, let us consider what? One another. To provoke unto love and to good works. Not this is a continuing thought. You see this? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Amen? Do you know what your primary consideration ought to be for coming to church? Other people. Other people. How many of you, how many of you are encouraged when you come to a church and people are there? <laughs> I don't know if you encourage them, but it encourages me. Amen? I get encouraged. And how many times... Uh, we have young people grow up here and gone off, made their own lives and so forth like that. And some of them maybe get away from the Lord or something and God deals in their hearts and they come back. And I've heard it over and again and you've heard it over and over again through the years. Pastor, it's so good to come back home and see uh, Miss So-and-So still singing in the choir. Brother So-and-So still taking the offering and So-and-So still teaching Sunday school. And it's just good to be back here, familiar places. Hey, listen, we ought to have a place. Listen, one reason I don't want to change with the winds of times and come here and paint all the walls black and get a rock and roll band and try to outdo the world, which we'll never be very good at. I, I just want to sing the old songs of Zion and stay in the old King James Bible and believe the Bible and preach the word of God. I want to stay the same, amen? Because first of all, I don't want to confuse a generation. And second of all, I want to be here teaching and preaching the same book and the same truths as long as God will give me breath so that when someone does, like prodigal of uh, Luke 15, go out into the world and get away from God and God gets a hold of the heart, they want to come back. I want them to have a place to come back to, amen? 
I want to have a place where the word is still faithfully preached. And they know they're going to be loved and not judged and encouraged to get back in the will of God and live for Jesus Christ. Go back to Romans chapter 16. Consider one another, the Bible said. Look at the way Paul writes. This is so beautiful to me. This is tender. Go through these with me. He says of, uh, of this Phoebe that she that uh, says to the Christians at Rome, receive her, verse 2, that ye receive her in the Lord as becometh saints. That's the way, that's the way the word become means it looks good on you. It's attractive. That's the way a saint of God. By the way, a saint is not somebody that got voted in by men in funny hats. A saint is a child of God. Amen? That's the biblical definition of saint. How many of you saved say amen? You're a saint. You don't act like it, but you're a saint. That's the biblical definition of saint, not like sub-Godhead or something. So, as become the saints. It ought, listen, it ought to be that they're, the spirit of God's people is, oh, we're so glad you came. I met a young lady coming in uh, a little while ago, and, and I asked her if she had been here before. It was her first time, and, I was, and my, I was delighted, genuinely delighted in my heart. She's here for the first time. And, uh, and, and that ought to be uh, the spirit of God's people. Now, let me ask you a question. Those of you who have come, you've received Christ, you've been made to feel welcome, you've baptized, some of you joined the church, and you like that, that you feel welcome here. I got a question for you. When are you going to start making other folks feel welcome? Don't choke on that. Hey, I'm, I'm asking when. Did it ever dawn on you? This might be your second time to church. But did it ever dawn on you, the person sitting next to you, they don't know if you've been here once, twice, three times, or ten years. So why don't you just be friendly to everybody? Amen. And you meet somebody, then commend them to someone else. Hey, come here. I met so-and-so right here. And, and the Lord brought them here today. And we're so glad they're here. Right? Amen? I don't, I'm not talking about being disingenuous. They, they pay the guy to stand at Walmart and say, welcome to Walmart. I'm not talking about that, okay? I'm talking about genuinely from your heart caring about people. Uh, look what he says. This, that you receive, verse 2, her in the Lord as becometh saints. And that ye assist her in whatsoever business uh, she hath need of you. Uh, in other words, uh, encourage, encourage a welcoming atmosphere among God's people. Uh, be attentive. Assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of. Uh, 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 be attentive and have an attentive and a helpful spirit. He then commends her again and says, she hath been a succor of many. Again, she was the kind of person that runs to help others in need. You know what you ought to do? You ought to let others know what a blessing they have been. And especially what has blessed you personally. Now, now let, let, me, let me give you an illustration. When's the last time you caught one of these choir members? How many of you get a blessing from the choir? Amen. How many of you, when was the last time you called a choir member and said, you know, thank you for this special this morning. When I visit a church and a choir comes down, I position myself in the church that I'm visiting. I position myself to thank as many choir members as I possibly can. Do you know the choir members come every Sunday an hour before anybody else? They're here an hour to get ready. It takes them about three or four minutes to sing that song, and they give an hour of preparation to sing one on Sunday morning, one on Sunday night, occasionally sing a couple more than that. That's a lot of work. Amen? You take 50 people times an hour, that's 50 man hours. 
You divide that by two. What you heard this morning a little while ago was 20 minimal of 25 man hours that people spent so you could get that blessing. So don't talk your way through it. Sit and listen to it and get a blessing. Amen? And when you get blessed, hunt one of them down. Find one of those piano players. Uh, uh, Miss Donna shouldn't be able to get out the door today. That was a beautiful solo, wasn't it? Yeah, she's a blessing. And we ought to recognize those things. Look at verse number three. Greet, Paul says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who for my life laid down their own necks. Literally, Paul was a wanted man. He was stoned to death at Lystra. He was in prison many times, stoned to death, and God raised him from the dead. He was in prison many times. He was beaten with rods. He was scourged. He was, he was constantly in trouble with authorities because he unashamedly preached the gospel of Christ. And this little couple, Priscilla and Aquila, literally risked their own personal safety to befriend Paul and to look after Paul. And he says to the, to the Christians at Rome, he said, these folks laid down their own necks for me. Unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. You know what Paul did? He recognized these prominent Christian servants and the sacrifices that they have made. You know what we're trying to do right now? We're trying to honor these prominent Christian servants. I know Carl Hatch is just a man. I know Lester Rolfe is just a man. But he's a great man. God used him in a great way. You know, we swing the pendulum too far sometimes. Sometimes you can go too far and, and, and not have a walk with God and have a favorite preacher and just do everything that preacher says you ought to do. But I got news for you. If that preacher ever falls, and preachers can fall. Preachers can fall. Preachers can go into sin. But if you put your eyes on a man of God only and that man of God falls, then you're going to get disillusioned and you're going to get out of church. Listen, I've known, I have hundreds and hundreds of preacher friends that walk with God faithfully and preach a word of God faithfully and I have a handful in my 40 plus years of being a Christian a handful three that had terrible tragedies in their life and went off into sin and, and, and besmirched their office and, and gave Christianity a black eye because they failed. You listen to me, the devil's after God's servants but for every one of those I could point to a hundred or more who've been faithful and by the way the same is true for plumbers, policemen and everybody else. You can run around in the rat holes if you want to into the sewer and finding the junk on any segment of society you want to. What you ought to do is have a heart that's broken for those that stumble and fall. But there is a generation who's left the will of God and they look back and point at Christian leaders who failed them in some way. I got news for you. If your heart is set on a Christian leader with no walk with God and you don't personally walk with God, you don't personally have convictions, you don't personally pray, then when your leader falls, you'll get disillusioned and get out of church. And all you've done is not expose some systemic problem with Christianity. You have exposed the backsliddenness of your own heart. Jeremiah said, I'll get me to the great men. Amen. Listen, this couple right here, Paul said, these folks are amazing. They help so many people. He said, you need to get to know them and you need to take care of them because they have been faithful servants of God. Amen. Amen. Can I help you something? This is going to sound self-serving, but it's not the least self-serving. Listen to me. You folks that go home and on the way home, on the way home from church, you start bad-mouthing. And you have roasted preacher on the way home. You get home, at, uh, get to lunch, you have roasted preacher's wife. 
and you spit up and bite and devour and criticize the Sunday school teacher, you criticize the service, you criticize the servants of God, then you know what you're doing. You are destroying your own children. By the way, you're destroying your own authority. Because <laughs> all authority is of God. You cannot, you cannot undercut authority without undercutting your own authority. And one of these days when your children uh, need a servant of God, they need a godly pastor, godly pastor's wife, godly youth pastor's wife, godly youth pastor, when they need them and you've sliced and diced them for years, they're not going to go to the youth pastor when they need him. Listen, he's, these, Paul said, these are choice servants. Treat them well. Show them honor and respect. They have risked their lives for the cause of Christ. Go down to verse number five. He says, likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well-beloved Epinetus, who is the first fruits of Achaia uh, unto Christ. He recognized their accomplishment. They had a church started in their own house. That's pretty dedicated, isn't it? He said, salute well-beloved Epinetus, who is the first fruits. Re- he recognized longevity in terms of endearment. We have a, faithful, uh, uh, a faithfulness service about once or twice a year. In fact, we've got one coming up, I believe, pretty soon. And we recognize faithful service. We have folks now who've taught the same Sunday school classes for 20 years. We have folks who've sung in the choir now for 20 years. We have folks who've served in different areas of ministry, some 5, 10, 15, 20 uh, years, and so forth like that. Now listen, that's what Paul's doing here. He's recognizing longevity in terms of endearment. We get down to verse number 6. He says, greet Mary who bestowed much labor. Uh, He recognized hard work individually. You know what would be a great source of encouragement uh, is for you to recognize somebody you see that's doing a good job for the Lord in this congregation and not make a scene out of it. Go to them individually and say, you know, I just want to thank you. I see you there working in the nursery, taking care of our children. And I see you looking after our kids. And I see you up there faithful. What a good thing that would be for God's people. Verse number 7, he says this, Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen, and my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles who also were in Christ before before me. He recognizes family members. He recognizes those who've been through things with him. These folks were in prison for their faith with Christ. He mentions their good name and their longevity. In verses 8 through 15, Greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Salute Urbane, our helper in Christ. And Stachys, my beloved. Salute Apelles, approved in Christ. Salute them which are of Aristobulus' household. Salute Herodian, my kinsman. Greet them that be of the household of Narcissus, which are in the Lord. Uh, 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 salute Tryphena and Tryphosa who labor in the Lord. Salute the beloved Persis which labored much in the Lord. Do you see how he recognizes those whom others love, the beloved Persis? How he recognizes over and again hard work, those who labor in the Lord, those who labored much. You see how he recognizes uh, family uh, 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 connections in these, uh, in these verses, verse 13, salute Rufus chosen in the Lord and his mother and mine. Look at verse 16. Salute one another with an holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. This word salute is an interesting word. It's the same word as the uh, uh, same uh, Greek word. Uh, it's translated salute, greet, and embrace. Salute 36 times. In the New Testament, greet 13 times, embrace two times. Now, this kiss, holy kiss, give me some of you teenagers got excited when you read that verse. Uh, that holy kiss is not the kind of kiss you're thinking about. But in some cultures, uh, what this is, 
a traditional greeting uh, in some cultures. We made no contact, just so you know. Uh, <laughs> that's a traditional greeting. Now, I want you to think about this. is the same word. And uh, he says, uh, uh, look at uh, verse number uh, five. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. So there's greet. Then the word salute, my well-beloved. Uh, look, at, uh, look at verse uh, nine. Salute, Urbane. Verse 10, salute, Apelles. 11, salute, Herodian. Verse 12, salute, Tryphena. Verse 13, salute, Rufus. Same thing in 14, 15, 16, twice in 16. Now go back up to verse three. Greet Priscilla and Aquila. Verse six, greet Mary. Eight, greet Amplius. Um, and then, uh, and then, twice in the New Testament, that word is translated elsewhere, translated embrace. Come here, let me teach you something. Come here. How many of you understand salute is more formal than greet? You understand that? So, hey, buddy. Hey, man. Hey, brother. Now, all those are the same thing in different degrees, right? Now go back and look at it, if you would, in verse number 16. Salute one another with an holy kiss. Let me tell you what he's saying. He's saying express, ex, express appreci appreciation, express uh, your greeting, express your feelings for one another in the family of God, listen to me, in an appropriate manner. That's what he's saying. Do you know what I think? I think it's, I think, now, first of all, Wisdom dictates that you never put somebody in an uncomfortable position. That's what wisdom dictates. Wisdom dictates that you don't make somebody feel awkward. There are men in this church that if I did this right here, they'd go. And I know that about them. I got, men, I got other men in this church. Man, they just like... We all, uh, we all grew up different ways. We have different preferences and tastes and so forth like that. And wisdom dictates that you understand that about a person and you don't put somebody in an uncomfortable position. Amen? You don't, listen, if you want to shake somebody's hand, you don't shake somebody's hand to make a point. Right? Let me make another suggestion. Ladies, hug the ladies. Men, if he wants a bro hug, give him a bro hug. Amen? Right? Now, some of you have never heard that before. And by the way, I'm not correcting anything. I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to correct anything. But I think he said, holy means set apart. There's three different words, same, same in a Greek word, but God in our English Bible gave us three different words. What he's saying is, you, you express that, but express it appropriately. Amen? This is so good. I wish you knew how good it was. Thank you. Now go down to verse number 17. 
Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Listen very carefully. The devil would love nothing more than to find a good old fundamental Bible-believing preaching church and get in there somehow. And, and, and the Bible talks about how that, how that the tongue is a, is a, is a little member. But it, it, uh, it is set on, the tongue is set on fire of hell. And the tongue uh, 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 can create a world of iniquity. And you know what? The, uh, the devil would love nothing more than to get in a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church where souls are being saved, lives are being changed, and just to start to create little fires. A little slight here, a little criticism here, a little negative something here. And just, and just it may not catch, but, but just with that little tongue, just strike a little match and throw it. See if something catches on fire. And many a good church has burned down so to speak because of wagging tongues and gossip I have a friend um, who uh, I was in school with one of our friends he's the most tender hearted pastor you ever met in your life he, he, had a, he, had a, he had a baseball career he had a baseball career and left that left professional baseball to go to Bible college and pastor's a good church in the Midwest. He took on a young man, began investing in that young man. That young man began to grow. And he invested, he poured his soul into that young man. And that young man got a little too big for his britches and thought he knew more than his pastor knew. And he began to whisper. He began to whisper and cause divisions. And that young man took a group, several, several dozens of people. And this was... Uh, 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 an established church but not a, a lot a large church but took several dozens of folks out the door and started a new church on folks he got disgruntled and discontent because of his wagging tongue now for better or for worse my dear friend I love him but that thing fell apart and, and the and pastor took him back not a staff member he took him back said come on back Maybe they made it right. The rascal did the same thing again. Twice in the same church. There's a, there's a church in this county that uh, at one time had a thriving bus ministry. Very similar situation. Uh, 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 the church took off, got up over, over 300 people. Just a small country church, got up over 300 people. They're running buses, winning people to Christ. Pastor uh, uh, hired a young man as an assistant pastor. You know, assistant pastors are just terrible and wicked, aren't they? Sorry. Anyway, but anyway, 25 years. You don't get any better than that right there. I'll just say that right now. 25 years of faithfulness. Anyway, but, but, uh, but this young man came and he got too big for his britches. started whispering, complaining about the pastor. Pastor wasn't as educated. Pastor wasn't as eloquent, you know. Anyway, and he got a bunch of people discontent and, got, and turned that congregation and, uh, and sure enough, they came brought for a vote right here in this county. And um, Sunday night, and they said, they voted the pastor out. And um, 
the pastor, before he left the platform, he said, well, I, uh, I accept your decision. He said, but I want to ask you a question. How many of you are here in this church because I came to your home, I, I won you to Christ, or you were saved already and out of church, but you got back in church, I met you, I encouraged you, and you got in church, or you got saved because I led you to Christ or, or got your family back in church, would you stand? 90% of the crowd stood. 90% of the crowd stood. He said, be seated. He said, next question. How many of you, this man right here led you to Christ or got you in church, would you stand? Nobody stood. And he said, I just want you to see what you've done. That church has never thrived since that day. I have a dear friend in Mississippi. I did the ordination for the young man. And he was a sharp young man and was a soul winner. But he too, same thing. His pastor invested, his pastor is older than I, experienced man. And uh, you've heard him preach before. But this young man got too big for his britches, thought he was smarter than anybody else in the room, started picking people apart, picking leaders apart, saying, well, it's not right, you shouldn't do it that way, that's not right, so-and-so doesn't. -and, -so. and he got a little following, got a little thing together, got that church, got a bunch of people, walked out the door with him, split that church in half. That church is just now getting back to the place that it was probably seven or eight years ago after that split. I got news for you. You are the you this church is the only church in America that has a perfect pastor. The only one. <laughs> uh, there's no church with a perfect pastor. There's no church with a perfect membership, is there? I heard of a pastor. And uh, he got saved out of rough, rough life, much like Brother Hatch's story. And uh, he he was he was preaching, true story. He was preaching away. He was preaching about the devil. And he got so mad at that devil. And he's, uh, he's preaching. He's just he's thundering it out. He said, that blankety-blank devil, I like to kick him in the blankety-blank. And I mean, he just went back to his old lingo. And just a bomb just cussed a blue. And he was cussing the devil, you know, but just cussed a blue string. In the middle of his preaching, he just stopped. Just like. And he closed his Bible. He dropped his head. He walked off the platform, walked out the door. He thought to himself, I've done, I've ruined my testimony. The congregation sat stone silent for about five minutes. Nobody knew what to say. The pastor just cussed a blue streak in the pulpit. And a very wise older man stood up, one of the deacons in the church. He said, well, folks, I never heard anything like that in church before. <laughs> he said, but we all know what kind of background our pastor came from. And he said, those kind of words ought never be said from the pulpit. He said, but at least he was cussing the devil. And he said, you know what? He said, I think we ought to give him some grace. I make a motion, we give him a raise. <laughs> motion was seconded, a vote of the membership, the pastor got a raise. Come tonight, I'm going to cuss the devil. 
Now, I got news for you. I know it's not much of a sermon this morning. But the devil wants you discontent and upset and critical. And the first time something that like that comes your way, the Bible says you just mark them. In your mind, you mark them. And what do you do then? You avoid them. By the way, if you're here tonight, this morning, you say, I think people are avoiding me. Well, let me tell you something you ought to go, somebody, somebody you ought to go talk to. Go home, look in the mirror, and have a talk with the person in the mirror. Amen? Amen? Let's bow our heads, please. Our heads are bowed.